everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. everybody and welcome back to the Maya Minds podcast. It's great to have you here again. Today I'm here with the wonderful man Alex. How are you Alex? I'm very good thank you. I'm uh, sitting in a lovely comfy warm one bedroom flat in Glasgow in Scotland. I'm very excited for this chat this evening. I am sat on the floor. I don't know if I, t- I didn't tell you this. Uh, normally, I'm sat on a chair, like slightly to no one can who's listening to this can see where I'm pointing, but slightly to that way. Um, but basically, I had a bit of a crapper for this podcast. Me and Alex have a um, reputation for being naff at organising podcasts. Now, um, when we first actually, actually, I think it's it's two one because I cancelled on you. I've cancelled on you twice now because the first time I cancelled because of my mental health was naff. Then we you, were can, all, you can have that one for free. I'll, yeah, I'll let you have yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then we organised again, and then you forgot the time, or you messed up the time, and then yes. and then this time you messaged me being like, "Hey, what, mate? Uh, where are you?" <laughs> in, in much nicer words than that, but um, and I'd completely forgotten. So we're officially crap at organising podcasts. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, I would have thought I'd uh, have better knowledge of the 24-hour clock at this stage in my life, but never mind. Yeah, I had a good sleep last week. Yeah, especially being part of the military. You should you should have got that by now, but um, I'm like I said, I've, I've done it twice, so I'm worse than you. Um, so yeah, speaking about the military, actually, that um, conveniently leads me on to my first question. Um, I believe you were part of the Navy, is that right? Yes, um, so... I was part of the Royal Navy um, as a submariner for five years. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was great. I, I initially decided to join. Well, I was one of these people at sort of 12, 13. I already knew that I wanted to join the Navy. Okay, um, one of them. Yeah, I, I signed on the dotted line when I was 15 and 11 months um, to help sort of get some sponsorship and scholarship through A-levels, university and that sort of thing. Um, and then went straight through from university straight into um, initial training and five years later popped out the other end. Um, <laughs> so I, I grew up in a forces family. Um, my dad was ex-RAF, so okay. I didn't really know anything else at the time. Um, I knew that the forces had a good sort of pipeline in terms of training and qualifications and lifestyle. Um, but it turns out a lot changes from the age of 16 to 27, you know, 10 mm. years, 11 years is, is quite a long time in terms of what your priorities in life um, start off with and what they end up being. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I joined with the intention of this is me for life. Five years later, very much slightly different mindset, headspace, lifestyle choices. Mm. Um, and a few events that happened along the way, yeah. which ultimately uh, helped to make the decision so we say mm-hmm. so can you um just a little bit more about um your time in in the navy uh, what exactly do you I think you said you were a submariner i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that means you're in a submarine but i don't i'm uh, that probably obvious but i don't i actually know literally nothing about the military but can you tell me a little bit about what that job entails yeah so i trained as a marine engineer submariner um which meant um, operating submarines and I trained to operate and supervise um, 
the operation of nuclear reactors. Um, so there's a lot of misconception about when you hear the term nuclear submarine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so like in the UK, all submarines are nuclear powered and not all of them have nuclear weapons on board. So every I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be honest immediately when you said that I was like, you were like holding some atom bombs. <laughs> you had the big red um, button in front of you. Not a chance. <laughs> I would be trusted with that. <laughs> Sorry, um, carry on. <laughs> as, as it happens, the submarines I operated did have nuclear weapons on board, but that was wow. um, outside of my role. Um, so I was there purely as a an engineer. Um, I trained as um, a Cathay watchkeeper. So I was the senior supervisor during a watch um, to make sure that the nuclear reactor basically produced steam to okay. keep the submarine moving and keep producing electricity. Um, think Homer Simpson, um, but underwater. Um, <laughs> yeah, and with more hair. Much us. And with a lot skin. more hair, yeah. especially after um, five, six months underwater, you have definitely have a lot more hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I suppose that's true. You, you're not you're not going to get... Do you not like shave... Does not everyone just shave their heads? Or like, do you not have a shaver or... Um, sometimes you're lucky you may have somebody who's done a couple of YouTube barber sessions or ex-barbers but normally it's just occasionally just one grade all over with a Henry Hoover attached to it to suck up all the hairs because (laughs) you have to be quite careful because any hair particulates from like um, trimming beards or hairs gets into the ventilation system and then Ah. sort of hampers ability to breathe which is yeah i would say suboptimal when you don't have access to fresh air so yeah suboptimal in a submarine yeah look at that eh? look at that um so i I suppose you're kind of leading on to it a little bit um instead of my kind of usual spiel about um kind of mental health i feel like you were alluding to it somewhat with these these two or these few couple of things that happened um can you go into that a little bit for us please yeah so um, the what I was alluding to is the fact that obviously the submarine ap- atmosphere, the lifestyle, the sort of environment that you're operating in isn't normal, um, and there's not really any training to prepare yourself for it. Um, so over my five years, I did three deployments ranging from sort of four to six months of being continuously underwater, uh, with no contact with the outside world. Um, the only con- sort of semi-contact I got was a hundred words a week, um, which was sent to me by my partner. Um, and that's including, she would have to collate all messages from everybody, all my friends, family, whatever they wanted to say and put them in. Um, I wouldn't always get them and I wouldn't always get them at the same time or the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and those messages were also read by about four or five other people before they got to me to make sure there was nothing um, negative or anything that could affect me whilst I was away. So it was quite an isolated situation to be in. Um, I was on different um, submarines. Be, sorry, so sorry, to, sorry to butt in. I've just kind of like thought yeah. about that in my in my mind. But that must have been really hard. Like the the idea that they cha- they could change the le- the wording. It's like you never really know what they're telling you. Like it could just be all taken out. So there are different techniques that people used to use, sort of code words or different um, acronyms. Or if I say this specific phrase, then you know what's going on. Okay. Um, my girlfriend was very particular in that she would always send exactly 120 words. Mm-hmm. Um, so if one came through a bit shorter or anything like that, I, I kind of knew that it had been taken out. Okay. Um, 
initially I thought this was a great idea because I could be like, oh, I know something's been taken out. Um, however, it did sometimes have the opposite effect where I was then spending weeks, potentially months, worrying about what maybe that one sentence said that had been taken out. Mm. Um, the one, one example would be, so I used to have a car and it was called Jim and she'd written something, something had happened to Jim. And obviously nobody else knows that my car's called Jim. So they thought it might be a family member, it might be a friend and uh. therefore they erased it. But I didn't have any idea of that. So when we got back, I looked through what she'd written and it was like, oh yeah, the car had a puncher or something like there's something bad had happened to Jim that wasn't obviously about a car. So that yeah. was, it was fun and games and a bit of a laugh when we got back. Um, but the time but yeah, so it just gets yeah. tough. But on the other hand, it's, it's half a year without Facebook, Instagram, social media, emails, bills, um, and you can fully switch off from anything in the outside world. Your brain is just fully focused on what's in front of you, mm. which just has its uh, positives. Um, it was it was always tough when you returned, probably more than when you're away in terms of the adjustment getting back. Um, and particularly those close to me noticed that each time I came back, I was not it was taking me longer to readjust back to normal life. Um, and then on my, on my last deployment was sort of the one I alluded to earlier where um, I saw a massive dive in my mental health. Um, so prior to sailing and prior to going on the deployments, um, you know, you can, you, you've got a, a period of, of maintenance to do to make sure that the submarine is, is ready to go as you would before a long car journey, make sure your car's ready for, whatever it is, you know, tire pressures, oil, all those sort of things. Um, yeah. Slightly more complicated with the submarine. Yeah. Um, and we had a planned sort of 30 to 40 day periods of which we were going to have a high tempo, right, let's get this smashed out. We'll get it ready to go and we'll go and we'll be back home before Christmas. Yeah. Um, however, a hundred days later, we were still trying to get the oh. submarine safe to go to sea. Um, Many people like, were working, I was working probably 16 hour days, weekends, overnight on board as the responsible engineer for, you know, you can't just turn a reactor off at the end of the day and go home. There's got to be somebody watch keeping on it all the time. Um, and it, it got quite bad. Um, and my response to that as um, somebody in the Navy was to go to the bar and drink to escape. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it really did start to affect me. Um, the time at work, the time when I was not at work was spent drinking or not really being particularly healthy. Um, I started to develop sort of thoughts of self-harm in terms of um, nothing suicidal to say, but just I wanted to maybe have a minor car accident, which would prevent me from going down a submarine and therefore I maybe yeah. get a couple of days off work or something like that. Um, and I ended up drinking i think it was nearly a bottle of gin a uh, night before a duty where i was going to be going back to work and i was going to be responsible for the reactor um i just worked throughout the whole week it was a saturday night i'd worked overnight on the on the friday I was supposed to be off from sort of eight o'clock on saturday morning till eight o'clock sunday morning nice 24 hour rest um i didn't get off until it was about six seven o'clock in the evening on that saturday knowing that i'd have to be back in in 12 hours time and i was just i was just at my kind of end of my tether 
And I didn't really know how to deal with it. No one had ever talked to me. No one ever spoken to me about your mental health in terms of recognising those crisis points and when you may be needing to just hold your hands up. So um, completely out of character for me. I turned up for work, obviously not in a fit state. I, can, I had to get a lift in, couldn't even yeah. drive or anything like that. Um, I got given a couple of weeks off work after chatting to um, uh, doctors. Um, we call them bishes, but they're military like padre um, sort of thing. Okay. It's just somebody to, you can talk to in complete confidence about what's going on and how yeah. you're feeling. Um, so I had two weeks off and I didn't really know what to do with those two weeks. Again, nobody had really told me like any techniques for helping my mental health or what to do. Um, so I just choose it, took it as a holiday. You know, I had long lay-ins, I drank, did day drinking and went to a wedding that I wasn't necessarily going to be able to make and I could make and had an entire weekend of just more consumption of alcohol, which is never great for anyone's mental health. Yeah. Um, and then I got back and it was only three or four days before we were deploying. So when I deployed, I never really, I was never really firing on all cylinders. I wasn't, I was stuck in sort of, you know, second, third gear. I wasn't really sure. I hadn't really got my head back into that headspace that you normally would do before you go on a deployment of sort of that preparation, the normal lead up in the weeks, couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all just started to go a little bit wrong we didn't we were away for um i think it was just over five months and i don't think we had a norm what we would call on a submarine a normal week where it was just ticking over doing your normal jobs doing your normal routines you know um equipment was struggling failing asking questions and it was all mine unfortunately so i was up i was operating in about four hours sleep in a 24-hour period yeah on a submarine, you don't have day or night. It's just yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, you don't you don't get like a break. You don't get that moment of like, oh, okay, I'll get tomorrow. It's just it's just a time, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, yeah. Shit. You could be waking up and having curry for breakfast, and then going and sitting in front of a reactor for four or five hours. You know, there's there's no God. Yeah, that's what it's one of those things that you just don't even think about. Um, and especially when you when yeah, like if you're in that place where you you kind of lost and and confused and just feeling so anxious and down and just and then you haven't even got a your time cycle like I can't imagine what that was like and there's no like you can't just go and chill out and sit down away from work because the space where our sort of seating area is is where you also eat your meals mm. um you know there's a tv there and you can watch endless films or you know we take loads of like terabytes of films away with us yeah. but you'll be sat there and also then your boss will also be sat next to you and you're yeah. still in uniform yeah. way. like you can't ever escape it so that didn't help that sort of compounded that feeling of ah oh, this is horrendous I can't you can't mentally remove yourself from a submarine once you're on it mm. unfortunately I suppose it's kind uh, of sorry sorry to put in but it's kind of like yeah. you know pe- people would talk at the moment with lockdown like it's it's so difficult and i'm not trying to belittle what you know everyone else is going through and i'm going through it I, i'm finding it really hard is being in a house and not being able to go out and stuff and, and do things and that's really hard but imagine that but with not a, a day and night cycle and you're sat next to your boss constantly in uniform like in the same room like it's like yeah oh wow yeah sorry it's just kind of mind-blowing it's stuff that I, I didn't even consider that was a like it's one of those things you just don't think about unless you speak to someone like yourself or go through it it is tough 
um, the way I kind of I've explained it to a few friends and people before is the advantage we have on some of these is you know you're going away. Mm-hmm. Whereas with lockdown, you don't necessarily know when it's going to happen or for mm-hmm. how long. Um, occasionally, well, more often than not, a deployment may get extended by days or weeks, depending on what's going on around the world and mm-hmm. with your relief and that sort of thing. Um, but we we do, we know we're going into it and we agreed to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't make it any easier, but it just gives, you do have the opportunity to get your mindset into it. You have the opportunity to have that last hug with friends and family and you know when that last hug or mm. party or dinner is going to be. Um, whereas I think lockdown at the minute is it's the unpredictability of it, which yeah. is very much the tough side of it and the not the unknown as to when things are going to be back to back to normal Mm. um yeah so it's it's a strange environment and i i didn't not like the job at no point during all this was i had any sort of ill feelings towards the navy um it's what i signed up to is what i wanted to do um but there were yeah there were say there was a few incidences um there's one that sort of will stay with me for life i think um often keeps me awake at night you know the oh. close your eyes and it's just there yeah. um we had a situation where basically we we were unable to propel ourselves through the water mm-hmm. um and we were effectively sinking um and people were stuck in different parts of the submarine with the emergency going on and i found myself in a much higher position of responsibility than I would normally like to have been in. Um, I was advising command on the engineering systems and how we could get them back on and how to support them. But the position, it, that was okay in itself. Okay. It was more just the fact that where I was sat was opposite a depth gauge. Um, so this clock effectively with the depth that we're at. And I can still okay. remember now just getting, getting that number getting bigger and bigger and bigger Shit. over a period of time whilst we were sat at an angle, you know, feeling like you're falling off your chair. Um, we got it. Obviously, I'm still here. So yeah. we did get out of control of things. But just that, that sort of couple of hour period, this all happened at half past two in the morning as well. I never said there was no day or night, but you still... Yeah, you try and keep the still, yeah, you try and think of it a little bit. So it was a little, just a strange time, place. Um, and just the the weeks after that, trying to recover and get everything all in order yeah. and all the paperwork and documentation and all that sort of stuff because you can't call for help. You can't be like, you can't just send a signal off or jump on a radio and or pick up a phone and try and call somebody because we're not allowed there's no communication so you have to figure all these problems out that break and go wrong by yourselves and just the team that you have down there um and adjust to the environment as it changes so you you were Um, just you were just sat there looking at this dial spinning and just being like shit what what, what, is it gonna start going the other way is there any way you can explain how you felt like not really the, the feelings were of because I had a job to do at the time as well. I was mm. more thinking. I was thinking. A lot, I was getting a lot of information being fed into me about the state of systems. You know, temperatures of different bits of equipment. Of how could we do this? How could we do that? What's the priority? And then just in the corner of your mind, you can just see that going down because that's always going to keep getting bigger unless you focus on what you're trying to. Yeah. do to save yeah. to save the situation um 
It must be. I remember so looking cool. around at a few of the sort of uh, more experienced sort of the old and bold Samaras, and you know when you see their faces sort of not looking mm-hmm. good because normally when things go wrong there's always somebody there like oh I've seen this all before like yeah. oh we'll just do this you know trying to play off as if everything's fine but there was there weren't many people who were confident with the situation we were in yeah so, shit um, <laughs> yeah and having already gone into that with sort of I think massively undiagnosed sort of depressive states and things um I was fortunate enough that we do take a doctor away with us and he was keeping an eye on me and we were having sort of weekly catch-ups and Mm -hmm. he'd give me a bit of reading into anxiety and depression, which I had never read up on before, never looked at before, didn't understand a single thing of it. So that was a big eye-opener for me, Mm. um, which was great. But did, 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 like, uh, I'm shocked and maybe it's just the the case I just didn't realise, but surely if you're sending people down into this, in this boat, and they're never going to not going to see anyone for ages. They're only getting a hundred words of of someone's message, of Clay's message. Surely there's some kind of training in mental health or like understanding it, or is there not? You'd like to think so, um, but I, I, I don't know if it's it's an every workplace thing or if it's uh, a, mati- a military sort of thing in terms of the masculinity sort of approach of um, about whether you need to be tough and not show weakness and I definitely felt that before during that 14 day period um before we deployed you know I I didn't feel like I could hold my hands up and say I'm not prepared to do this because you know you join the navy to go to sea you don't join the navy to sit on shore and drink coffee all day mm. um and few people do before you deploy they will you will get people who are like oh well, I'm not sure about this I don't know if I'm going to cope I'm not sure if I'm ready um and looking back on it they're the brave ones they're the ones who really yeah. actually know themselves and know have that social and personal awareness of themselves and their mental health to be able mm-hmm. to recognize that before it gets to the point where like I did I deployed with my mental health in in pieces basically mm. uh only deteriorated over the following five months um it's it's amazing like i still think it's it's like amazingly brave that you know even though you you've gone through all that i'd like i feel like there's still probably a small part of you that that wants to hold back and not talk about it but the fact that you still are doing and you know, you're still you coming on this podcast and talking about it and telling all the people listening like you know that's bravery thank you very much i'm just trying to i'm just trying to talk about it as much as possible um mainly for you know guys who very much live within the stigma of sort of mm. you've got to show face you've got to sue up um, and also if there's any sort of anybody in military environments who listen um that you know it is okay to speak out it is okay to to go to the you know the the navy especially i know I don't know about the other arms of the armed forces, but they do have an awesome um, department for mental health, um, which I did get referred to literally within a week of getting back from that deployment. Um, they're, you know, they'll get the support to you and give you exactly what you need. Um, I was lucky enough to see somebody within a week, had an initial consultation, was still struggling a couple of weeks later. Um, got seen by a consultant straight away and he signed me off work for four months. No questions asked. No, like you cannot argue with me. You are not going to work for four months. 
Um, and also here's a 16 week counseling package for you starting in two weeks time. Mm. Um, and that was probably a bit of a lifesaver that it was a lifesaver for me. Um, I was asked many times on that deployment by the, the doctor on board, you know, I have antidepressants or of drugs to those sorts, which can help you. And I was still stuck in that stigma of, no, I don't need anything to help me. This is just something I've got to battle through to get through it myself. You know, I'm, mm. I'm a tough guy in the, in the Navy, Samariner, you know, I don't need antidepressants to help me. Um, but actually because I didn't do that, I drove myself to the point where I had no other option other than to try different, as many different things as possible to get me out of that, that state. Um, and actually lockdown, I think was probably the best thing to happen for me, for my mental health in March. So I only had about between five and 10 days from getting back from deployment till we went into national lockdown, okay. which as you can imagine is pretty intense, you know, mm. I haven't seen any, I still haven't seen people since sort of May, June time, 2019, yeah. um, because of that hundred day maintenance period. Yeah. Um, so I'm coming up to the two year point where I, since I've seen some family um, and and lots of friends, which is tough in itself, but yeah, that, that lockdown meant that when I came back, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't travel around the country every weekend, having big welcome home parties and driving all hours of the night to get back for a Monday to go back to work and then recover for the week and then do the same thing again. It meant that I was just sat at home with my girlfriend who those sort of periods when I get back, we don't, although we spend a lot of time together, we don't necessarily spend quality time together because we're seeing this family, seeing that friend, catching up with these people. Um, whereas that four, four month period, we just, you know, I did my counseling once a week. I rested when I needed to rest. I was in my own house. There was nowhere for me to go. I went out for my walks mm. and the two of us having not really spent any time together for nearly sort of 10 months. And obviously I'd been deployed previously in the previous years to that as well. So it was, it was good for us. It was good for me just to feel that sense of stability for four months, knowing yeah. that I didn't have to wake up on a Monday morning and go to work if I wasn't feeling up for it. Um, and yeah, and things just progressed from there in terms of mm. self-discovery and different routines, different bits and pieces I was getting into just to, which slowly improved my mental health and got me to where I am today. Yeah. So, um, you know, your story is incredible. The, that whole story about, you know, the, the thing, the dial ticking away and you're there just reading, get people giving you all these instructions. And you're just like, what the fuck? Um, like I, I, all I can think of, like, I would just panic and just be like, shit. Like, I just like the fact that you did that is incredible. Um, your story just is incredible. And I, I, I have kind of so many questions going through my head, but I, I feel like I just want to ask, um, like when you started with that, that counseling, like obviously, obviously I'm not trying to get you to disclose everything, every personal thing you spoke about with your counselor, but like, where, where do you start with that? Like, yeah, so with counseling, I just, I didn't really know how to do it. Um, it took me a good couple of months to realize that there's no rules about what you say and what you should be saying, what you shouldn't be saying. Um, and once I started to build a rapport with um, the counselor, I had been lucky enough to see her face to face um, before the lockdown in our general sort of 
get to know her, what's going on chat before it was um, officially signed up. Um, so that was good. So I, I knew what she looked like. I knew what the person I was talking to was because um, it was all done over the phone, of course, because we couldn't see each other face to face. Having never done counselling before, this wasn't an issue for me because you know, I've not, I don't know what it should feel like. or mm-hmm. um, But I found it... Um, I talk a lot about safe spaces and having that safe space where you know you can share and say anything without being judged. Um, And there were a lot of things that I wanted to talk through and try and process, such as the story I just told you about um, with the depth gauge and that sort of thing. But there were a few other stories and bits and pieces that happened whilst I was away that I wasn't, at this point, I was still very much getting myself fit and ready to go back to sea as a Samariner. I hadn't made the decision to leave the Navy. Um, and so I was sometimes a bit reluctant to fully open up to those close to me, whether it was my girlfriends, uh, family, friends, about what really happens when we're away, just trying to protect them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but having this person that was completely you know, in confidence, there was no way that was going to get back to anybody else and yeah. end up you know, somebody finding out through the back door and they'd be like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. So, yeah, I just opened up and found it really, really useful. And it got me to the point where then I felt comfortable enough in expressing how it made me feel and how it made me want to react to those closer to me because I'd already kind of done a like a dress rehearsal or a practice mm. where I've I'd given my brain that time to process. Yeah. Um, that, that must, that's, yeah, that's I can, I can see how that was really useful actually. Yeah. I've never really, um, my experience with, with counselors has never been, um, quite like, like that, but I definitely resonate with the idea of, um, having someone that you can say whatever you want to, and you know, it's never going to get back to anyone. Um, you know, I think, um, a lot of us all, we all think that we're the only one who has some, like some of the thoughts that everyone, everyone has these like dark thoughts and things that you you would never say to anyone because you think, oh, they'll think I'm insane. Um, but we all have them. And, you know, a counselor, the brilliant, one of the great things about a counselor is you can voice that and then you can discuss it and talk about what that means and how that's affecting the way you live in and the way you feel. And, you know, that that's such a quality um, moment. And one of the reasons why I think counseling is so great. Yeah, 100%. It's just a, it's a, just a safe space, isn't it, where you know nothing's going to come back from what you say. Mm. Um, I found as well she was very proactive in terms of offering me as many different techniques to coping as possible. Um, like each week she'd maybe give me a couple of bit of things, whether to read through them or not. And again, there was no judgment if I went back the week later and said I hadn't even looked at them, I just can't be bothered. Or, yeah, that was awesome, really liked that one. Um, or that doesn't work for me. And it gave me an opportunity to try lots of different techniques and whether it was CBT, whether it was um, mindful breathing, whether it was just um, sort of control techniques so that if you're feeling the onset of an anxiety attack or panic attack or anything like that, that you can then adapt and work through and make them work for you in terms of progress so that you can eventually go it alone. Yeah. Do you you have a... Do you ever suffer from anxiety attacks? I get panic attacks like really bad when I'm in, when I'm in my, I, I call it when I'm in the shit and um, when I'm in that <laughs> place where, which I was last, the first time we tried to um, do a podcast when I'm in the shit, I get panic attacks so bad. Um, yeah, I do. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's still just as, as concerning now as it was back then. Mm. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday and 
only last Friday, um, I woke up and I was, um, so I, I'm no longer in the Navy and I've recently started a new job and I'm just starting to now to put in some pieces of work. Um, and I just kept getting flashbacks to, um, time I spent with a, an old boss of mine who wasn't particularly, uh, nice in the words that he used to describe me or the way I worked or, um, you know, we were all in the stressful situations and he chose that to make himself feel better was to make me feel not so good about myself. Yeah. Um, and so I was, because of that, it then triggered those thoughts. Um, and I just could not get these images out of my head. And then that took me back to being on a submarine. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was a horrendous morning. Um, but I knew, I now, I don't know about you, but I'm developing more and more techniques. I'm kind of, embracing them a little bit more knowing that what sort of stages they're going to go through um i'll try and do a breathing session which are a bit of a lifeline for me at the minutes um and i'll just i just try and take myself out of that environment as much as possible yeah um to, to be completely honest with you i still really struggle um I, I go through these phases like right right now um, I'm so busy and I've got so many different things I was telling you before we started the podcast I've got so many like little different things on um, that I'm I'm kind of in my groove and I, I my my issue is I my panic attacks usually come from the fact that um, this is I've never really spoke about this on the podcast I don't think to this to this um, extent but here we go um, one of the things that I worked in with my counsellor is the fact that um, my kind of default setting is that I'm not worthy of people liking me or anyone you know even considering me to be a friend or to love me or to whatever. Um, that's kind of my default. And my panic attacks come from that as I start to think like, oh, no one's ever going to like me. Everyone's pretending to like me at night. I'm just faking it. The only reason people like me is because they, they have this image of me that I portray and isn't real. Um, so yeah, I'm, when I'm in this place where I am now, where I'm, I'm achieving things and I'm doing things every day and, you know, I'm, making steps towards things that I want to do and things, especially things I want to do with my own minds. I feel good and I feel like worthy, but it's almost like artificial worthiness. I'm still, I see a counselor every week. I've, I've got counseling tomorrow at one thirty, Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on it, but yeah, I probably need to start practicing one of those breathing techniques that you're talking about. Um, what, what is it that you do exactly just for me and um, the people at home, I suppose. So I do, it's like a conscious breathing technique. So there's a guy on Instagram I found called, um, his account's called Breathe With James. Okay. Um, and it's all about doing basically different breathing exercises, just get your points of relaxation, um, connecting your mind with your gut through certain nerves and things and how they work. Um, they, we do it different sessions, whether it's for manifestation, whether it's for heart opening. So just focusing on breathing in your chest and that connection between your brain and your heart as well. And understanding what it feels like. Um, there's a lot of breath holding in it. So to the point where you're, you're just lying there, you don't even have to breathe. Your brain can, doesn't even have to worry about breathing it. And through the techniques that he develops, you can hold your breath for, you know, and um, when I do it by myself, I can get up to two or three minutes just lying there without breathing. Wow. Um, my heart rate will drop down to between 30 and 35 beats a minute and just sort of just sit there quite happily. Um, and you lose yourself and you can see 
some people get visions, some people get tears, some people get laughter. It, all your emotions are just um, intensified as you just allow your mind to. Um, so I'm, I've been doing it for about three months now, and I'm just still experimenting with it, seeing where my mind takes me each time. And um, yeah, but it's it's been a, a real saver for me, along with a few other bits and pieces that I've picked up and started doing. Um, having once I finished my counselling sessions. Mm. Um, but yeah, what, what I would definitely breathing, breathing, breathing with James. Breathe with James. Breathe yeah. with James. That, that sounds really cool. I, I kind of want to, um, I, I think you're, you're almost alluding to it here, but I, I think you and I both, um, journal is that, that is something you do, isn't that right? Yes. So how, how does it, where, yeah. How does it work for you? Well, um, I wasn't really sure. It's a bit like the counseling. I wasn't really sure how you're supposed to journal when I started. I don't know about you, but, um, there was about a month period between me being discharged from, sort of my counseling sessions in the department of mental health from the Navy. And by this point I'd got my leaving date um, and that sort of thing. I'd made the decision that that environment was no longer great for my mental health. Um, and I had this kind of horrible few weeks where I just thought I was fixed as if uh, I've been discharged now, they fixed me, you know, my brain sorted. Um, it took me a few weeks of not feeling great, going back to sort of partying a bit more and not really taking care of my mind to realize something you have to continuously work on. It doesn't just stay level. You've got to keep yeah. chipping away at it and keep training it and keep trying different things. So it was my, um, my girlfriend actually, who said, why don't you try journaling? I was like, oh. and then you type in journals on a search engine, Google, whatever. And it's all, when I was doing it, it was like, Oh, these are all for girls. These are all flowery, pretty books. And yeah. da, da, da. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't want that. Um, so I got one which was supposed to be just, it's like a, it's called Minds Journal, which is uh, designed by a guy for men. Okay. Uh, having used it for a couple of months, I don't think it specifically for men, anybody could use it, but it gave me that kind of like, oh yeah, this will be for me. I think <laughs> into it. Yeah. Um, so mine was, it was a guided one, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, it was great. It, it's what sort of prompted me into finding all these different, different things and, um, gave me that self accountability. I don't know if you yeah. find that where if you commit and committed something to, to a page, like I'm not feeling very good today. They kind of, you, it means you acknowledge it like, Oh, I'm not just trying to hide it. You can't hide behind that. No, I'm feeling fine. Cause I've written it down on a bit of paper that it says yeah. I'm not feeling great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that, and then also, um, it's something I always talk about with writing your story. Like uh, one of the things that my mind was originally was, um, it was a place for people to write out their stories and, and post them on, on this, on our social media and, and on the website. Um, we have like 78 stories or something up there, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, one of the reasons why I love it is because I think writing things down allows you to see things for how they really are. Um, when, when they're in your brain, it's so easy to skip over things and, and kind of, you know, not really weigh up both sides and, and just, just assume, oh yeah, I'm just shit. Or like your default just comes in just like, actually, yeah, I messed that up. I'm wrong. I'm bad. I, I blah, 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 blah. Um, whereas when you write them down, you write it out, you've got it there physically and you know that, oh, actually I didn't write this bit in. I've missed that bit. And it's like, oh, actually now I've put that bit in. This kind of makes sense why I'm feeling a bit shit. Maybe it's not my fault. And you know, you can, you see this whole new side of things that in your head, you just can't do no matter how hard you try. And I found, um, I found as well that 
a bit like with me through my counseling and therapy was it took me a while to realize that no one's going to read this mm. so you can write what you want yeah um to an extent I, suppose. I have a I have a technique for that as well and um, which is great which is I've I've spoke about this on like a very early podcast I think and I call it I call it the fucked up first page right and basically what you do and hear me out it's going to sound crazy um, but on the on the first page of my every, all of my journals I've ever wrote in there's I write the most like horrible statement like I'm not even going to say like I might write like like that I want to like kill people and like I go like into like I write like really like crazy crazy stuff and then I know that I'm never going to leave that hanging about because if someone finds that I'm going to jail or like they'll, <laughs> they'll put me in like, like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll call the police. So I know never to leave them hanging about so no one will ever read them. And that's my, that's my technique, which, you know, <laughs> take that if you wish. I don't know. Um, but it just, it fills me with confidence. Like now I'm like, I know for a fact, no one's ever going to find that journal because I, I can't let them find it. <laughs> Thankfully, the the Navy taught me a trick for that. Is um, you you don't leave anything lying around on a submarine because yeah. it will be taped to a pipe somewhere. Or <laughs> um, so a good one is this is where the the shaft rotates with a propeller attached to it. Occasionally, that will stop depending on what we're doing on purpose. Sometimes, okay. um, so if you've left anything lying around, it will be gaffer taped to that, and then you can't. There's no way you're getting that back until so next time stunning. it stops. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Um, or whatever else happens, then they get taped up, hidden. Um, so I've, I've learned very quickly over the past, over my time in the Navy, never to leave books lying around. So yeah. that helped me out a lot. That helps. Um, what was it? Um, on my, on my first journal, actually, they had, um, it was a, a good page at the start of each day. Um, you triggered my memory then when you said at the start of the journal, mm-hmm. at the start of each day, um, they had a check-in page where it had like loads of feelings, loads of emotions, which you could tick off of as to how you're feeling at the time. That's useful. Um, I found that really good because you didn't have to think of the emotions that you were feeling because they were all written down and you could mm. just choose them. Um, but the problem I had was when I started was I didn't have that self-accountability. I didn't have that honesty with myself. I was kind of like ticking off how I wanted to feel rather than yeah. how I was actually feeling. It's like, oh, I want to be happy. I want to be proud of myself. Whereas actually sometimes I wasn't. And so as I got more honest, I don't know if you find that you, as you get more and more into it, you get more and more honest with yourself yeah. about how you're feeling. Yeah. And then it works even better because you yeah. can then actually see that when you're having a bad day and why that might be and what have you been doing that day that makes it bad. And it's that, like, that's literally like all my num- starts building up. My number one tip for people when they say like journaling just doesn't work for them is like nine times out of 10, I'm like, you're probably just not being actually honest. You just put, you put, you're writing down what you would tell someone. You're not writing down actually the like, like real truth, like the stuff you don't want to say. Um, you know, you're not that, that's what needs to go down. And it is hard. And it's not, I'm not saying like it's easy to do that. I think it comes with time. Um, like you're saying, you know, you eventually get more and more honest. Um, but like you, I agree, the more honest you get the more you start to understand yourself and it just feels good yeah definitely it's that um first sort of step into journey really sort of got me into finding other bits and pieces it sort of opened up doors to um different ways i could find support and um that's what it it drove me to set up an Instagram page just as, as a, another set of self-accountability, which then mm. made me discover lots of other different things. Mm. Um, 
which is it's, it kind of was the trigger point for okay, I'm not feeling great today. What could I do that's different that I've not tried before? Because whatever I've been doing at the minute clearly isn't working according to my my journal. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful I started it. I'm doing a slightly different one at the minute. Um, I don't know if you've heard of six minute journals. No, um, so. I can I can so guess what they are. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a much um, condensed version. Um, so you do sort of. Um, three minutes in the morning, three minutes in the evening is how it's supposed to work, but you yeah. can take as long as you want. Um, and it's much more about, um, so in the morning, it's much more about goal setting um, and not just write down a goal. It's about write down a goal because it makes me feel. Why? Do, mm-hmm. What? How do you feel if you're going to achieve this? Why would you want, why do you want to oh, eat clever. this? Why do you want to do that? And then you write your because, because it makes mm-hmm. me feel good, because I know it will make somebody else happy. Yeah, um, that's been really good. Um, I'm starting to experiment as well. It's got on each morning. You can set an affirmation. I don't know if you've got into. I've heard. I've heard about affirmations, and I've I've done them. I've done them briefly. I've never like fully. It's one of those ones that I've never fully got into. Um, it's probably similar to to journaling. Whereas if I if I stuck at it, I'd probably get um, benefits from it. But um, yeah, I've never properly got into it. Yeah, I. I think over the past, well, since October, November time, when I really started to sort of just become a little bit more open to trying anything, it's, it's definitely just sort of, why not give it a go? Like, well, yeah, no, it's definitely. not make anything worse. So um, I've started doing an affirmation style. It, it gives you a bit of guidance in the journal at the start. It's different ways you can do it. I've started doing one where you write the same thing every day and it's supposed to build up in your head and start. So I, I'm currently writing every morning. Um, I'm happy where I am because mm. um, I found, especially at the start of the year, I was really struggling with what's the point? Like this lockdown's never going to end. Is yeah. coronavirus ever going to go away? What am I trying to do? Um, what goals am I trying to hit? Like I need to be achieving something like, well, do I, or do I just need to be happy and try and be happy with what what I'm doing right now exactly. <laughs> rather than always, I always find myself looking ahead and being like, yeah. Oh, I want to be there. I want to be there. I want this. I want that. And it's like, Ooh, just like, yeah. Don't try and run a marathon before you can do 5k. Like you mm-hmm. need to baby steps and just get your mind feeling, knowing what it feels like to be happy in the first place so that you can then progress that further and get bigger and bigger goals. Yeah. And I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, Alex, I'm going to have to start to wind us down because I don't want to make the podcast too long. Um, <laughs> honestly, fine. it's been, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Um, I've got my final three questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Question one, one person real or fictional who has inspired you? I've read a book very recently um, called, about a guy called Nimsday. Um, he's a Gurkha, or is from um, the Himalayas, from Nepal. Nepal. Um, and he joined the army very young in the regiment of Gurkhas. Um, and he, over the past sort of five years, has become um, a climber of um what's known as the big 14 so it all peaks around the world over 8000 meters um and it's a story of how through self-discipline through humbleness and just 
setting out to do what you want to do in a style that you want to do it, not necessarily following the grain. Um, so he broke the record for climbing all 14 of the highest peak mountains. The previous record was seven years, six months, something like that. Okay. And he climbed all of them in six months. <laughs> wow. So it took seven yeah. years off it. <laughs> it's not bad. And um, just to be able to achieve that, obviously he's obviously got a certain mindset and a certain mm. way that he prepares himself, sort of a way that he goes about life, um, which develops fairly early on in just joining the British Army as a, as a Gurkha and then going on to being a special forces operative um, and then progressing into becoming this mountaineer expert. Um, and last week um, I followed, uh, because of reading this book, I follow him on social media. Um, he became the first person with his team of Sherpas to climb K2 um, in the winter. It had never been climbed in the winter before because of the wow. extremities of yeah. the environment. Um, and what is in these people's he, minds to do that? It's just incredible, isn't it? Like, it's just the drive and the way their bodies are trained and just mm. prove that it's, it's, it's the mindset that gets you there. Um, and he's done loads of work for charities and raising the awareness of the Sherpas in Nepal and mm -hmm. um, how, for example, you know, X amount of people climb Everest a year. Um, but who carries their bags up, who guides them, who tells mm. them where to go, who tells them when not to go. Um, so he's been raising, a, his whole team is made up of Sherpas. Um, and just his attitude towards their way of life, towards his family values. Um, yeah, it, that's definitely, it's a book I, I picked up on, let's say, for example, a Monday, and I read it by Wednesday. You know, it was two or three, yeah. two or three nights. I just sat, um, I just pointed to the corner of my room. I sat <laughs> in the corner of my living room uh, in my comfy armchair, and I just read, um, and I, I couldn't put it down. It was just, yeah, definitely yeah. an inspiration, and very recently, very recent inspiration as well. Um, that is a fantastic answer. Um, he sounds like, what was his name? Did you, do you remember his uh, name? Nims, Nimsday... Uh, it's the name of the book. I can't remember his. Sorry, I'm yeah, terrible with names. <laughs> it's fine. I'm I'm awful with them too. Um, I did. A, I recorded the podcast last night, and I, I literally had the book sat in front of me, and I couldn't remember the guy's name. And I've realised it's written in like big letters on the front of the book, so you can't be that bad at names. Um, but yeah, fantastic answer. Okay, question two. A moment in your life that you didn't like at the time. But looking back, you know, some positives came from it. Um, that's a really difficult one. Mm. I think I think I would probably have to go back to the times last year on on that submarine deployment because that was the lowest I've ever been. Mm. Um, and in terms of mental health, in terms of just physical health, in terms of how tired I was, how little food I had to eat. Um, and I got to the end of that and it propelled me on this journey that I'd never, I would have never thought about. If you told me 18 months ago when I was midway through a maintenance period about to deploy that in 18 months time, you're going to be moving cities you're going to be enjoying a new life having every weekend off going to be close to friends family all because of this terrible time that you're going to go through and, and not particularly enjoy at the time but and talking about mental health on podcasts and exactly if anyone had asked me even a year ago you know 
have told me I'll be sitting here talking about my feelings and going to the deepest sort of darkest areas of my brain I would have told you to get lost you know that's not that's not what guys do mm. well it's exactly what guys should be doing that yeah I don't I don't I kind of don't want to ruin the end of that that statement there with, a, with anything else so I'm going to go straight into the third question um this one is notoriously the one that people tend to spend the longest thinking about so okay um sorry prepare yourself <laughs> no 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 don't say sorry I'm just saying prepare yourself question three a phrase to live by ah uh so I know this one because it's something that my mum and I have said to each other for a long time. Uh, and whether you believe it or not, or what you're, whether you're spiritual, whether you're religious, whether you're just atheist or scientist, however you believe. Um, but this is, this is something that's always worked for the two of us. Um, my, my parents split up when I was in my teens, um, which was quite a tough time for any family. Um, um, so my mum and I used to just sort of say to each other, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's like a bit of a joke. Um, and then it's just something that we say now and it's something that we, we actually can see it happening around us. Um, you know, there was a reason that I had that her- terrible deployment. There was a reason why I then was given time off and now I'm working because I'm now I'm going to be moving to a place, a better place. Um so for me, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and I, I agree with you as well. I, I 100% agree with you. You know, I, um, I don't know what I believe it is or what, but I just I choose to believe it, whether it's real or not. <laughs> that you know, there is there is some kind of plan in place, and you know, things are going to happen for for a reason. Um, so yeah, 100% agree with you. Um, well. Alex, um, to be honest with you, when I came on this podcast, I didn't fully know what to expect we were going to be talking about fully. Um, but I am amazed by your story. And I think you're one of the bravest people I've ever met in, in general. And I'm um, like so happy that you came on here and spoke to me. Um, and I hope you had a good time. Um, yeah, I didn't even realise the time when you said we should probably start wrapping it up. So <laughs> that's clearly uh, a sign that's been good. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's it's been fantastic, and uh, it was really good hearing some of your stories and um, your sort of perspective on journaling as well. Um, yeah, it's always good to speak to somebody else and how they experience it or how they do it slightly differently. So thanks for that. Um, you're you're very welcome, um, everyone listening at home. I really hope you enjoyed this as much as I did, and I hope you are back for the next one. Thank you so much for listening to that episode here at my minds we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast so please if you can give it a share each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that also if you want to check out myminds.com please do you can see all our social media things on there and we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community thank you